0: That's Chumbacasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. BDW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
0: Coming up, I'll look at the Colin Kaepernick situation.
1: I go so far back on this kid. I was trying to get the Yankees to go ahead and draft him years ago.
0: Fight fallout from the Browns and Steelers.
1: This is a kid that needs to be sat down now.
0: Several other situations with players and teams.
1: you got an owner right now that does not like mediocrity.
0: Some college football.
1: Odell, you're doing a great job down at FSU.
0: And a draft sleeper.
1: Nine sacks, 14 tackles behind the line of scrimmage, and 16 quarterback hits in the last two games. This is the Scouts Honor Podcast. With inside information... Definitely the defensive coordinator is gone no matter what. ...and unique perspective. Odell Beckham, you're an embarrassment. From Super Scout Dave T. Thomas and your host... Paul Crane.
0: Hello again, everyone. I'm Paul Crane, back with the Director of Operations of Scouting Services, Inc. and the publisher of the NFL Draft Report, Dave T. Thomas. All sorts of football to get to today, Dave T., pro and college, and, of course, our college sleeper of the week for the upcoming draft. But other things than games to talk about. And let's start with that Colin Kaepernick workout. Uh, we, we've been talking about Kaepernick for, it seems like, two years in in terms of the black ball and then he finally supposedly gets his opportunity and it all goes sideways so your, your take on this
1: Paul I go so far back on this kid I was trying to get the Yankees to go ahead and draft him years ago he only had one scholarship offer and that was to Nevada Reno outstanding pitcher I mean I was clocking him between 98 to 101 miles an hour he just decided he wanted to play football took that only scholarship offer that he had, and look at the numbers that he put up in Nevada. You know I've been a champion for this kid ever since then, true to San Francisco ever, even during the initial kneeling thing. But what happened Saturday is ridiculous. And right now, Colin, your 15 minutes of fame are up. Here's my problem with it. I have no problem if he had an issue with the NFL. I think both sides over here are definitely are not going to walk away with clean hands but the whole thing came down to if this thing was going down the way it was going down, he should have let everyone know on Friday or let everyone know on, on uh, uh, that morning. Instead, he waited a half hour before the workout and told everybody, come on, guys, we're all going to head down 60 miles south. Now, if this thing was not staged the way it is, how come hundreds of fans were down there wearing shirts? How come here is a guy that is sitting out there and saying, I'm cool, I'm cool, I can play the game, I have no issues off, the field, shows up wearing a Kunta Kinte shirt, sits down after this thing, and everything was power to the people. You know, power to the people just costs you a job. But the whole thing comes down to no matter how talented you are out there, sometimes you're going to find that owner that's going to say, I don't want to deal with this circus anymore. And that's what you're going to get when Colin Kaepernick walks through the door. Hell, it's a four-ring circus. It's not a three-ring one.
0: I felt so badly because uh, my take, for whatever it's worth, is the NFL was never sincere about that. Why hold it on a Saturday in November? When right. Everyone's going to be at their games on Sundays and every scout worth his or her salt would already be booked for college games around the country as college season is about to come to an end. They cannot be at the the Atlanta Falcon complex to watch Colin Kaepernick on a Saturday. If it was more sincere, why not do it on a Tuesday if it has to be in season when virtually every team has an off day? So my feeling was the NFL was insincere from the get-go. And of course, Colin was obviously more than skeptical. And this relationship just does not seem to be any better.
1: At best, whoever would have gone ahead and decided that they wanted to sign him, we're going to sign him into a future contract. So they were better off waiting till December to hold the workout. Uh, the, the whole thing is, how could I go out there? Here's a the guy that sat out three years, suit him up, and put him in the game next week. I can't do that. Of course. Of he course. has no training camp, has not been able to digest the playbook. And as far as I'm concerned, my quarterback better know that playbook inside out, upside down. Of course. 2020 would have been the avenue. Right now, he might end up having to go the route where I'm going this Sunday, and that's up to Canada for the Grey <laughs>
0: Well, we'll see. Uh, he certainly would have opportunity to play there. You would think the XFL. You would think so. Uh, well, El, see.
1: Paul, if yeah. they if they let Johnny Manziel in the league, Charles Manson could play up yeah, there.
0: No, I know, but of course the CFL kicked him out, uh, Manziel, at the end of the year after uh, he he ended up with Montreal and and his band. But we don't need to go down that rabbit hole. What about uh, Manziel's old team kind of moving on here. The Cleveland Browns last Thursday night got in that fight at the end of the game with the Steelers. Miles Garrett suspended for the rest of the year after ripping Mason Rudolph's helmet off and try- and then hitting him in the head with it, though uh, Rudolph didn't get suspended. But at the bottom of that sack, he was. Some people were upset that he didn't get some kind of punishment for trying to pull Garrett's helmet off. What? What a mess!
1: Well, he tried to pull Morton's helmet off. He tried to make him a soprano pull. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly, exactly. But he didn't. He, he, he didn't get anything.
1: Well, the whole thing that bugs me is you got Ogbar. out there. He goes out and pushes him from behind. He ends up with a game. And meanwhile, here's Pouncey coming to the aid of it, uh, Dave DeCastro and coming to the aid of his quarterback over here. He gets it with a three-game suspension. I do feel the suspension will be reduced there. All three are appealing over there. Garrett's going to have no chance for appeal. The other defensive end is going to have to go down for a game. But I think Pouncey will probably see it reduced to two. I think the biggest concern in the NFL right now is to keep them off the field when in two weeks the Browns come into Heinz Field to play to Steve.
0: Yeah, that's going to obviously have all sorts of uh, circus-like attention going to it. But again, not that Mason Rudolph was at fault. He's not. Uh, it was just interesting. He didn't get anything for that. Uh, Garrett just lost his mind. And how much beyond? Uh, I mean, he's been contrite and has apologized, and and we'll see what happens with him. No, but no.
1: We got to go back. We got to go back. This is a patent for this kid. I mean, it was one game. I forgot what game it was, but he got fined forty-two thousand dollars for two hits. Go back and look at the questionable hit on Tracy Simeon in the Jet game. This is a kid that needs to be sat down now, because if not, we're going to have another Vontaze perfecting on our hands.
0: And how much of it is a Cleveland situation? Uh, How much is Freddie Kitchens uh, responsible for what is looking like a culture? Because uh, it's not just Garrett more than once, but you've already named some of the other players, and there was some high-fiving going on in the sidelines when all that was going on.
1: You have no one else to blame but the front office culture over here. And if I'm Mister Haslam right now, get a hold of Wiley Coyote. He's got himself a detonator that'll rent to you. Uh, here's my problem with Freddie Kitchens from day one. Here's a guy that was never an offensive coordinator till they ended up pushing you Jackson out the door. He jumps to uh, a coordinator that was never a coordinator before. Jumps to head coach now. Was never a head coach before. And meanwhile, what does he have? Terry and the Pirates out there on the football field. Odell Beckham, you're an embarrassment to the game. Anyone that was over there cheering on the sidelines, you guys should be hit with suspensions.
0: It was ugly, and uh, obviously it's not done yet. We'll see uh, uh, if you're...
1: Oh, I cannot wait till that team shows up at Heinz Field. I do hope they're putting the team up in a penitentiary. If not, that hotel right now better start getting themselves some extra security.
0: Let's uh, continue to move on through uh, uh, a laundry list of things. Uh, uh, on a more positive note, you've been saying for a few weeks, free Quadri Ollison on the yeah, Atlanta Falcons. And finally, finally last week, not only did the Falcons get their second straight impressive road win, which those of us who watch that team are just I still can't believe what, what I've been seeing, but Quadri Allison's first ever carry in the NFL, touchdown,
1: well, yeah, I'm looking at what they're doing over there. They were saying that, hey, we're building up to this moment. Well, Brian Hill, Edo Smith, Freeman, we all show, uh, for, uh, we've all We all shown that we're not that big back. Look around the NFL right now, Paul. Look at the Nikki Chubbs. Look at those types. Look at e- Ezekiel. We have backs that are big, physical, able to run between tackles. Hell, you go back up and look at the Pittsburgh Panthers when he played up there. He's a kid that was a star running back over there, over 1,000 yards. James Conner comes back from his uh, cancer battle. He's a you know what I'll share the backfield with you I'll move over to fullback this is probably one of the best pass protectors they could find right now when I have a suspect offensive line if I got a guy that could run between tackles create his own holes and still protect my quarterback I mean Paul right now game plan is easy you're going down to face the Atlanta Falcons first down they're going to throw second down they're going to throw third down they're going to throw when are they going to run who the hell knows
0: In that win in New Orleans two weeks ago, they actually were extremely well-balanced, but they again became pretty much uh, one-dimensional with the win in Carolina. It'll be very interesting to see what happens when Tampa Bay comes to Atlanta this week.
1: And if Arthur Blanks is smart right now, I hope he's uh, saying back-to-back weeks right now. Thank you, Mr. Obrick.
0: Sure. They, Jeff Albrecht's been calling plays until third down. Raheem Morris has been calling the defensive plays on third down. It's uh, certainly worked. Uh, I don't know how much of it is just that, but it's been night and day. The Atlanta Falcons defense has not allowed a touchdown for 10 quarters now. I can't believe I just said that.
1: Wally, look at the switch they they made. They moved Morris to the secondary, which was very suspect to begin with. He takes over that. Oberg is calling plays. Adrian Claiborne, we finally found where he was hiding out. He said goodbye to Waldo and showed up the last two weeks.
0: (laughs) That he did. Uh, They've had 11 sacks in the last two weeks. After having only five in the first seven-plus weeks, they went over four weeks without touching the quarterback. They had seven in the first half of the season, and they've had six and five in the two games since the the break.
1: Listen, we know that Quinn is not going to be able to save his job even if he bought the damn team. So right now what I'm saying is give that kid the ball 20 times a game coming out of the backfield, you got yourself a 100-yard rusher.
0: Quadri Allison, it'll be uh, interesting to see what, what they do with him moving forward. Going on to some other, you mentioned that uh, Dan Quinn certainly has been on a a, a red-hot seat. What about uh, some other places, not not just a red-hot seat, but uh, something where, well, let, let's go to Carolina, where uh, Cam Newton's been hurt virtually the entire season, and, and what's the latest there? Because we've been hearing all sorts, and we've been talking about some of the places Cam might end up next year, and we're not including Carolina as one of them.
1: Well, I say he stays in Carolina, Paul, for the simple situation. is, Look where they're picking right now in the draft. They're picking 16th. I don't think Allen is the type of guy that I want to put my franchise hands in. Sure, it was good for a couple of weeks out there, but then let's go back and look at the last couple of weeks. I think the world is caught up to Kyle Allen, and that's what we're seeing right now. I think their biggest issue is they need to rectify that offensive line, but Best solution right now is, I say, bring the prodigal son in. Blow the place up, get rid of Rivera, get rid of Marty Herney, turn the reins over to a Hall of Famer who had that team as part of the elite in the NFL when he was running the show, and that's Bill Pullian.
0: Well, Bill Polian of course, uh, was a major force at the top of that now defunct AAF, and you think that uh, he, obviously he still has the desire to be part of football, having done that last spring. What are the odds of that happening? How how realistic is it that the Carolina place would be blown up, as you say?
1: Oh, you got an owner right now that does not like mediocrity. This is a guy that everything he has done has been built on success. When you're worth a couple of billion dollars over there, you don't mind eating a couple of contracts along the way. But Rivera and Herney have both shown that they're not capable of getting this team to the next level. I love Eric Reed coming out on the cap and Oh, we proved this. Uh, I can't understand why my co- uh, my uh, team over here won't bring the guy in. Well, Eric, you won't even be around in Carolina next year. I mean, here's a guy that they just tossed a whole bunch of money uh, a veteran safety out there he's got a 130 passer rating pull both him and Trey Boston have probably been the biggest culprits with the team being a mediocrity on defense
0: hmm. so if uh, Polian were to come back and that kind of a change made you see Cam Newton staying in Carolina if that kind of a change is not made Isn't it likely Cam's going to move on? Even though we saw Kyle Allen just this past week, the last couple of weeks, may not be the answer. If they go in another direction and Cam does go, where might he get the most interest?
1: Oh, there's change there. Whether it's Bill Pullian or someone else, there's change. And if I'm Herney, if I'm Rivera right now, hello Mayflower, could I get a couple of boxes delivered?
0: Wow. All right. Um, Is it even worth uh, looking at some places that Cam could end up? I know we had talked about Chicago. Uh, Well, you
1: know, the logic says Chicago. You know, I can't see him down at Miami. Uh, You look at the situation in Denver. John Elboy hasn't met a quarterback he didn't like. He's the Will Rogers when it comes to quarterbacks out there.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of Denver... They've gone through not only a lot of quarterbacks, but they've gone through head coaches. We we know the places like Washington already has an opening. The others that might, you've mentioned Atlanta and some others. Jacksonville's a team that we've talked about uh, quite a bit. Where, what's a guy, you, you've got a guy in uh, Philadelphia, the defensive coordinator that you think might end up coming back as a head coach sometime. It's been a very quiet situation. What are you hearing about Jim Schwartz?
1: Big blue, my friend. I just look at the situation. Here's what's going to come down to. If the Giants keep on stumbling, fumbling, and grumbling along the way, someone's going to have to bite the bullet on this thing. Definitely the defensive coordinator is gone no matter what. Kyle Shermer could. Uh, 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 Shermer follow him out the door? I think so, because what it's going to come down to is that it's going to be Tish and not Mara. And Mara is madder than all hell. But I think Tish is going to force their hands and say, you know what, Mara, you want to keep D.G. Young? You want to keep Getteman here? Let me sit down with Getteman. Getteman, here's what we're going to do. You're going to bring in another head coach over here, but this is the last time you're going to bring a head coach in over here. Logic says right now that you need a man that could control that team, a man that knows how to build a a good roster, a man that knows how to bring in assistants that will be very capable. I don't think there's anybody out there more capable right now than Schwartz.
0: So Jim Schwartz currently doing the job as the Philadelphia defensive coordinator. He's been a head coach. uh,
1: He would have had that job, Paul. He pulled out of the interview. He says, nah, I don't want to go. Why didn't he want to go? He saw the talent base over there, and he saw the general manager. Now this time, why would he want the job? Because he knows that the general manager's job hinges on what he does on the football field.
0: Interesting. Another situation to keep an eye on. We, before we leave quarterbacks and get into some college situations and your sleeper of the week, when it comes to quarterbacks, what about Dak Prescott? The Cowboys are really pushing Ooh. him for MVP. <laughs> he's had some great—there's hey, no denying that uh, I think he's playing a lot better than many people may have expected, maybe not in Dallas, but uh, to to call him an MVP, he'd have to leapfrog a couple of other guys that I don't think are ready to be leapfrogged.
1: And uh, no truth to the rumor that if you call Dak Prescott's house right now, Pink Floyd's song, Money, Money, is playing— but definitely it's going to cost the Cowboys. Now, my problem with this is if they go ahead and give Dak all of that money after giving Ezekiel the money, after giving Jalen Smith the money, Amari Cooper is obviously going to be out the door. Not only him, but Byron Jones is going to be out the door. But the simple situations come down there. I'm looking at the quarterback crop this year, Paul. I don't care what they say about the kid over at Oregon. I don't even care damn what they said about the kid at Bama before his injury. The only first-round quarterback, the only starting quarterback I see in this draft is sitting down at LSU, and that's Joe Burrow.
0: Mm -hmm. And there are going to be a lot of teams battling to get in the right position to get to draft him. Before we go in... Yeah,
1: I just pray to dear God it's not Cincinnati. I think the young coach up there is way above shoulders, uh, out of his element. Uh, you know, you, they talk about Cincinnati, they talk about Miami. I, I'd like to see a team with an aging quarterback trade up. Hell, uh, logic tells me right now the best opportunity for him is either New England trading up, which I seriously doubt they will do, or the Chargers trading up, which I think more than likely will do, especially after we saw what happened in Mexico City last
0: night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no no doubt it let it... Well, I can't disagree. I just want to get back to that M- uh, MVP situation. Obviously, most people listening would understand. I think Russell Wilson and now Lamar Jackson in Baltimore are, are are your front runners for MVP as we sit here, even though it's only November.
1: Yeah, you know, you know, a dark horse, I say, would be Christian McCaffrey. I don't care about those 400 yard right. games that Dak is throwing down. I would not even have Dak in my top five.
0: Yeah, no, and, and McCaffrey. Oh, for
1: Defensive Rookie of the Year, man. Our little sleeper that we kept on raving about—the kid with my nickname Max.
0: <laughs> there you look, go. I'm, in Oakland, look at the Max. they out
1: in Oakland. Oh my God! Four sacks the other day, two sacks the week before. Yeah, they definitely got themselves – you know what? It, it's going to come down to here it is, a fourth, fifth-round draft pick is capably replacing Khalil Mack in that lineup. On top of it, look at all of the uh, draft picks that they ended up. Now they got themselves a superstar on offense with Jacobs that was used to one of the Sure, picks.
0: Max Crosby, who became a fourth-round pick out of Eastern Michigan. You were touting him well in advance of the draft as one of those on day three to keep an eye on. Whoever gets him is going to get a player. And it hasn't taken long. Once again, you're right.
1: Well, him, Chase Winovich, you know, Bill's still going the baby steps with Chase Winovich. But these were two guys, day two, day three, and a draft that I just said somebody got super value on.
0: Mm-hmm. Before we get uh, a little more on the Oakland Raiders, and let's have one more. Playoffs, playoffs. Yep,
1: yep. It's, uh, the Oakland Raiders <laughs> right. fans will send them to Las Vegas while they're playing in game 17 and game 18.
0: Wow. And, and who would have thought it And right now because of what's gone on in the AFC West with uh, Kansas City coming back a little bit uh, in recent weeks, not last night. But wow, Oakland is right there, not just for a playoff spot, but they're in a battle for the division title.
1: MM, that's what did it, man. Mike Mayer came in and says, you know what, John? Let's stop playing checkers. Let's go ahead and play chess with everybody.
0: And it's uh, paying some dividends. It'll be very interesting if the Black Hole can have something to cheer about uh, one more time before they move on to Vegas. And and again, but well, then let's go to another team, a young team that uh, looks like is going into playoffs. Before we go back to one more quarterback, and that's the Buffalo Bills. Who would have thought that?
1: That is one tough defense. Paul Led Oliver has really solidified his role on the line. They're using him a lot like Aaron Donald. You'll see him over the uh, the center. The next thing you know, there he is lining up over on the edge. I like the way they're playing. Tremaine Edmonds is an outstanding middle linebacker for these guys. The secondary with Tredavious White. Yeah, this this is a team that's coming on strong. They still have that quarterback out there that likes to gamble too much, you know, his Accuracy is not the greatest in the world, but you got two, You got a sage running back in Frank Gore that's really bringing along Devin Singletary well. Now this is a team that I see in the playoffs – might not go far in the playoffs due to, you know, the, the Jekyll and Hyde that they get at the quarterback position right now, but they're well on their way to establish themselves as the next New England Patriots.
0: But it's a young quarterback that I can remember two drafts ago in advance of the draft. You talked about Josh Allen having a high ceiling, but remember he didn't even have a position coach at, at Wyoming.
1: So we're looking at a guy that I still say is a neophyte, at quarterback, but he is learning. He's he's not making the same stupid mistakes out there. And any quarterback, I mean, hell, we go, we go back years ago. I mean, I don't think Phil Simms really got himself going until he hit age 30 anyway. Mm -hmm. I think that a quarterback, once he steps in, once everything starts getting slower for him on the field, that's when he gets better. Next year will be a different story. Unfortunately, two other quarterbacks that teams banked themselves on, Mitch Trubisky up at uh, Chicago, Marcus Mariota, both of these guys will be on the unemployment line at the end of the year.
0: I was just going to mention Trubisky. uh, As the Bears drafted him instead of, oh, someone like Deshaun Watson in that draft and it's the, the sand is kind of running out of that hourglass.
1: Well, not only is sand running out of the hourglass, I think Arizona and now Miami both found that the hourglass never even had sand in it when it came to Josh Rosen. Boy, oh boy, a lot of people were fooled with Lamar Jackson, and look what he's doing out there on the football field.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, again... Uh, listeners to this podcast wouldn't have been, because I can remember in advance of of that draft, two drafts ago, uh, you insisted on having Lamar Jackson in our day one quarterback preview. Not because you thought he would be drafted in the first round, but you thought he was worthy of being drafted in the first round and would end up being someone that would do oh what he's doing now. And certainly, uh, the Ravens did a good job to trade back into the first round to tra- to pick him at the end of the first round in that draft and man is he uh, showing that no he wasn't a wide receiver that the NFL wanted to uh, play him at during the combine that year he was a quarterback and sure he's uh proving that in a big big way now
1: You know, you look at uh, the National Football League right now celebrating 100 years. They bring back, uh, you know, four or five of the greatest running backs, greatest quarterbacks. I could just see year 150. There's Russell Wilson. There's uh, Patrick Mahomes. There's Lamar Jackson. There's Deshaun Watson sitting around.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Wow. Um it, it's changing. This is the, the new is age changing.
1: of what you're looking at at quarterback. You need a quarterback that could throw on the rollout. You're looking at what's going on with defenses. No longer are you finding those three hundred pound guys playing defensive end pole. You got those Is those former linebackers that are now coming in and rushing a passer. Your offensive linemen are getting bigger, so that means that they don't exactly have that retreat ability to get back and protect the pocket. So what do you need? You need a quarterback that could go out there and play Curly from the Three Stooges and get himself out of trouble.
0: Yeah, well, obviously, and so far, so good on, on well, all. But well, look guys. at the
1: big, look at the pro-style quarterbacks. Look at Rivers. Look at Brady. Look at Matt Ryan. These are basically not mobile quarterbacks over there, and these are three guys operating behind offensive lines that are not exactly what we call awe-inspiring. And look what's <laughs> yeah, happened. Exactly. All three offenses have been struggling.
0: Yep, exactly. Um,
1: you got to establish a running game. The best thing for a quarterback, especially when he has a suspect. Offensive line. Get that running back going. You can't do it up in New England with Sonny Michelle sitting with, what, a 3.3 average right now? They need to get Mr. Wynn back at left tackle. They need to go out next year and draft themselves a quality center, like the kid that I talked about last week at Temple. And the funny thing is, watching Film on Temple when we get to my sleeper this week, oh my God, did I find myself a talent?
0: Yeah, well, we're going to get to the sleeper in a minute, but first, uh, let's have a couple of college stops before we get to the sleeper sleeper and let's uh, start at Florida State Uh, obviously uh, making a a coaching change mid-season a lot of people are wondering big name big name big name what are you thinking that the Florida State Seminoles should do
1: You know, frustrating to me is how many coaches have come in since Bobby Bowden left. Who did Bobby Bowden recommend to take over for him at that time? The guy who's the interim coach now. We're looking at Odell Haggins. What's he been there, 26, 27, 28 years? Before that, he was an All-American nose guard for these guys. This is a guy that has legacy within that program. Why do I want to go out and lay down? Well, look at Willie Taggart. I mean, what's he walking away with? Probably the biggest severance paycheck out there in history. We have to go out there and say logic dictates that we don't need a flashy coach on the sidelines. We need a guy that could communicate with the players. Odell, you're doing a great job down at FSU since Willie walked out the door. I really like that they brought back in another legacy down there. Mario Edwards now comes in, and he's going to be taking over the safeties and cornerbacks.
0: Well, Odell Higgins was a great recruiter when Bobby Bowden was still there. He is revered by high school. Uh, throughout the state of Florida around, so he's got great relationships already with players. And I think that's a great idea. If they were to do that, not only has he proven he can handle the job with what's happening there since Willie Taggart was shown the door, but he's already – kids would know what they get with him there as opposed to having to change a lot of things and wonder what the future would be like.
1: And look how many ducats they would save. I mean, you bring any of these super coaches that they're talking about. Okay, they're gonna have to lay down at least, you know, seven, eight million dollars per on the guy. Meanwhile you got a guy that could come in on the cheap over there that likely could do a better job than any of them, especially since he's been there with all of these kids right now and knows what these kids are capable of doing.
0: Well, we'll watch and see what happens there. Another big college situation to a aloa. Man, at the end of the first half last week, a lot of people were wondering why he was out there, but I, I just feel so badly for him. The hip injury, at least it's not the Bo Jackson injury, so it looks like all signs point to the surgery was successful he'll be able to come back. But we had been thinking that he'd be one of the top draft picks in the upcoming draft. What he, what he, certainly as a draft guy, what are you thinking now?
1: Paul, I never even thought he was a top quarterback to begin with, and I think that maybe the injury will be beneficial for him because if he's smart, he goes back to school next year. Proves to everybody. If not, he's going to come out on a fire sale. I don't even see him possibly. uh, He definitely won't go day one, not with that injury. How could I go ahead, even though they say, oh, it's not like Bo's injury over there. I look around the league. Any of these guys that had hip surgery, generally a year or two down the road, they're gone from the game. I think that right now, going back and being under Nick Saban's guidance in two thousand and twenty is the best thing that he could do.
0: We just hope he's all right, and and I hope he takes your advice because yes, uh, it would be good to see him prove his health and go make his money as opposed to have it uh, bypass him and 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 anyway,
1: he's like a donut to me, though, Paul. Even before the injury, he tastes good till I get to the middle, and then I see some holes. <laughs>
0: Uh, understood. Hey, let's wrap it up with your sleeper of the week. You had mentioned uh, Temple, Quincy Roche, the rush end from
1: Temple. I'm going to go out and I'm going to give the Rip Van Winkle Award to this school. I really liked Isaiah White uh, uh, Wright, their uh, return man early in the year. I fell in love with their center a couple of weeks ago and Matt Hennessy. I think he's the best damn center I've seen to come out in quite a while. Now I turn around and I'm watching a kid that's come back from a leg injury. Quincy Roach, 6'5", 240 pounds, sub 4'5 speed. He plays defensive end, but more likely will play linebacker in the pros. Everything I see this Guy reminds me a lot of Sean Merriman before his uh, career went sideways. Last two weeks, this is a kid that's been out there nine sacks, 14 tackles behind the line of scrimmage, and 16 quarterback hits in the last two games. Yum, yum. Eat him up.
0: This is a guy you see being capable of trans. Uh... Uh, right now game.
1: honestly i mean i look at carlos basham down at uh wake forest that we talk about he's a fringe first rounder i'm looking at quincy roche uh roche right now if he decides to come out in this draft he's definitely going to be walking across the podium
0: wow all right so that's a, a name that people may not be familiar with but they could be on Sundays in the years ahead and you your sleepers, we talked about Max Crosby earlier today, a fourth-round sleeper that's uh, making it. And this guy, you think, what, if he comes out, he's not going to be waiting till day three, let alone or even day two, that he's going to go across on day one.
1: He's second in American American Athletic Conference history in sacks, and this is after just two years as a starter out there. He's a kid that last year suffered such a bad leg injury, they told him four to six weeks you're going to have to sit out. following week, there he was out on the football field. They gave him a single-digit number midway through the season because he got hurt at SMU, and he says that he was going to be out another month. He showed up six days later and put on his helmet. You've got to love this kid. Not only on top of it, look at his special teams ability. I mean, blocking kicks, recovering fumbles. You know, most of the guys you look out there, and I I hate that title, edge rusher, you know, because edge rusher to me means that this is a guy that I'm not going to have out there for four downs on the football field. He's got great coverage skills. He could drop back and he could cover the tight ends and the running backs in the short area, working underneath. But on top of it, this is a kid that stunts well across the line. This is the type of guy, you look around the nfl right now uh, no knock on khalil mack but i'm telling you roche is going to be better than khalil is
0: wow high praise dave t as always Hey, you know
1: i tell people to you know come back in three years bring me my straight jacket then but uh, just double check with me let me know what color you have available because i have many colors in my closet
0: yeah well people may want to put those on you when you first say these things but three years later they're not around with a straight jacket for you
1: Yeah, I know. That's where I like one thing. Uh, One one friend went up on Google and found the story in there where they were dogging me on Marcus Peters. I don't think the Baltimore Ravens will give away Marcus Peters right now.
0: No, and we don't have time to go through all the examples exactly like that. But Dave T., as always...
1: Folks, understand one thing. When Paul and I talk about this talent, we're not draft analysts. We'll leave that for Kuiper and Mache. I'll let you know who's going to be out there on the football field and killing people two, three years down the road.
0: Exactly. Dave T., you tell us who can play, not where they will be drafted or predicting that. You sometimes weigh in where you think they should be drafted, but uh, you just tell us who can play and who can't, and uh, your your batting average, uh, to use a baseball analogy, is pretty
1: good. We're going to come back next week. We're really going to get into the wide receivers out there. I think this is a great crop of wide receivers, especially what I saw in the LSU-Alabama game. Held down there alone, there's five guys I'd take in day
0: one. And there are four who became semifinalists in the Belitnikoff Award this week. We'll say- Isn't
1: that a dinky? <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. We will uh, save that for then. Dave T., again, thank you so much for your insight and information. We thank everyone for listening. We'll look forward to having you back here on the next Scouts on podcast.